Good morning. Happy uh, Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, I'll address that a little more here in just a moment, but just want to say thank you. Uh, so many of you uh, sent Kaylee cards and things like that um, for graduation. We, we appreciate that. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. It's hard to believe. Uh, the year 2000 was when she was born, and so, uh, you know, it's easy to remember how old she is. I like that. Uh, I can always figure that out my entire life. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, God, God did some weird things in us whenever we decided to, to uh, where, where she would go to school and things like that, and, and he's just continued to bless that, and I blessed us with a house just in time to give us a month to get it ready, uh, to have a hundred some folks come over um, yesterday, and so it was just a, it was an incredible day, and, and we're grateful to, to be a part of the family here at Berea now. Uh, just a, a few things, I know uh, there's going to be some decorating happening here uh, around this place for VBS this week, and so if you weren't a part of that email or things, uh, just email Prudence. She can forge you that information and get all of that to you. Uh, we're super, super excited about it. It starts next Monday. VBS starts one week from tomorrow. Right now, as looking at the list, um, we really need about four more crew leaders. We really need about four more folks uh, to be crew leaders to balance out the numbers of, of uh, groups that we have. And so, so that's, what, that's the biggest need um, that we probably have at the moment. Um, plus, we can always use some people uh, that just come and say, hey, how, how, can, how can I help? Um, whether it's clean up at the end of the night or clean up on Thursday or, or things like that. And so um, that's, that's the big thing. So if you could help, um, there's some VBS registration forms right outside on that table. Uh, we need about four or five more crew leaders. That's the biggest, the biggest need um, that we have. Uh, then we're going to tell you that on the 9th, the Sunday after VBS, we're going to have a, a kind of a VBS Sunday where we're going to be singing some of the songs that they sang at VBS. We're going to be uh, recapping some of the lessons from that week as a part of the message that week. Um, and so we're, we're excited about that as well. And then they mentioned um, in, in our prayer time earlier, we're having this big family cookout on Thursday night to kind of end the week of VBS. And so at the end of the night of VBS, we're going to invite all the families of all the kids to come and just have a great time outside. Um, we're going to have some inflatables, that's a secret, um, and things like that. So it's going to be a fun, fun, fun night for sure. Um, so there you go. Uh, we're also excited about a series that we're going to do later on at the end of the summer that we need your help with. And I, I mentioned this last week, and I saw several for forms go home with folks, questions answered um, for people to just write in and things God's laid on their heart or life situations. Um, we can go to God's Word and really study together to find some answers, hopefully, for those questions um, that, that folks have. And so if you didn't get one of those sheets last week, grab one on your way out this week and uh, just turn it in however. You can drop by the office. You can put in the offering here. Uh, give it to me. Whatever you would like to do. Um, would be a, a great a great thing. Um, today we, we get to celebrate in our country uh, this weekend the, the lives of those that gave the ultimate sacrifice um, for our freedoms here. And, and I, I, I know that we live in a culture that truly doesn't understand or appreciate that in the way that some cultures have. You know, uh, life circumstances, times have changed. Things are different than they used to be. Um, and let's be thankful that we don't have to relive some of those moments that it took for people to truly appreciate those freedoms. But at the same time, man, we've got to take time and honor those um, that have served and uh, those that gave their lives serving our country and defending these freedoms. And so uh, what I always like to do on these Sundays is if there's anybody that's served in any branch of the military, if you would just stand for us and allow us to appreciate uh, the service that you gave to our country, go ahead. Um, please do that. Thank you so much. Um, it, and... Uh, 
we know there's countless other people here that have family members, have, have even lost family members, um, and, and things like that, and, and all kinds of situations all over this globe. And here's the reality. Our words, our applause, they, they, they do very little to truly show the, 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 the thankfulness that we really have deep inside. The best way that we can show that is live a life that recognizes that. And to use the freedoms that we've been given by God in this country to spread his word amongst the people here that don't, don't know it. They, they don't know who Jesus is. We as believers are beginning to sense this freedom and how precious it is. And we've got to use it. Uh, we owe it to those that gave their lives serving this country to do that. And of course we owe it. To Jesus for him giving his life for us. So it's an incredible weekend that we set aside. I'm so thankful that, that we do that. Today we get to look at Jesus's dying desire. This is the prayer that he prayed just before, the last moments before his betrayal, before the illegal trials began, before his torture, his death, and then ultimately his resurrection. And Jesus sits back kind of alone and contemplates, reflects on, just like any of us would, his ministry, his time here on earth, the relationships, the people, the things that he's done. And he awaits what's about to happen. He awaits this betrayal that's coming, walking toward him as he prays this prayer. He awaits these trials that he knows that, that are coming, the pain and suffering that lies ahead. And so as we read this, as you hear the pleas of Jesus to his heavenly Father, listen carefully to his words. Listen for Jesus to even reference you and I in this prayer. His words are so full of passion and power. The prayer that he prayed, he prayed while such, in such anguish, with such intensity, that Luke records for us that his sweat became like drops of blood. Luke records for us that it was so passionate, he was so exhausted that literally God the Father sent angels from heaven to tend to him, to prepare him for the torture that lied ahead. Jesus took your life, he took my life, your eternity and my eternity into his hands that very night in a quiet garden awaiting a mob that would come and arrest him. So I'm going to take a moment before we dive into this passage completely and I'm going to just read the full prayer to you. This is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in Scripture. John 17 is where we're at today. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them 
I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and your word has, and, and, your, and the world has hated them for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. Now my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that, they, that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. In verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for the, also for those that will believe in me through their message, that, they, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me them even as I have loved you. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. A lot of us heard the Lord's, the Lord's prayer growing up. Many of you could probably recite it right now. And while that is a powerful prayer, it's an incredible model prayer. It was actually never meant for us to just recite. It was meant for us to base our prayer lives around. If you remember the disciples' question, it was, Lord, teach us how to pray, and he said, when you pray, pray like this. In other words, using these things. But the prayer that we've just read has long been my favorite. I think you'll figure that out as we look a little deeper. As I mentioned a moment ago, it is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. It's often called the high priestly prayer, which sounds really formal and intimidating, but it's really quite simple. It simply means that Jesus is our high priest, the author of Hebrews tells us that, and that he is praying for us. He is praying on our behalf. He ha is our connection with the Father. This is why we pray in his name and according to his will, just like Jesus taught us. In this prayer, Jesus doesn't teach us how to pray. No, he himself specifically prays for three different things. He first prays for himself, then he prays for the disciples, and then finally he prays for you and I. In this prayer, Jesus shares with us who we are to be as believers. He, he gives us values we should live by, convictions which should guide the church, Big C Church, as a whole. This is his dying desire. These are the things that mattered most to Jesus. 
And these are the very things for which he willingly heads to the cross in just a few hours. As followers of Jesus, these things should also be of tremendous value to us as well, if not in the highest regard. The opening of the prayer, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you came you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence. With the glory I had before the beginning of the world, Jesus is reiterating what John said at the very beginning of the book. There was no BC. There is no time before Christ. Jesus has always been, and he alludes to that. Jesus looks to heaven to cry out this prayer. Now, we in the church have often succumbed to the only form of prayer being a head bowed, eyes closed and prostrate before the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that sign of respect before God. But please note, that's not the only way to pray. You absolutely can pray with eyes wide open, head looking toward heaven, arms raised as you show honor and glory and respect and cry out to him with prayers of praise or pain. Both are fully acceptable in his sight. Jesus first prays for himself. He acknowledges the mission that he accepted from God here on earth, that he willingly came for. His hour has come for him to lay down his life for the sin of the world. For the very reason he came, since the moment he arrived in that Bethlehem stable, this moment has been approaching. This time has been coming so that he would glorify the Father through it. And Jesus asked specifically for God to glorify him through this whole process. God the Father and God the Son are now beginning to reunite completely together. And he's ready to do the thing that he came to do. And then he shifts his focus to his disciples in verse 6. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything, everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Now that word revealed, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me. Reveal just means to show, and it doesn't do justice to what Jesus did for the name of God. Several other translations use the word manifest. I've manifested your name, and I know that word isn't used any longer in our culture, in our society, and so it's lost a lot of its meaning, but when you study the word itself, it has such a richer meaning. I have manifested God's name. I have made known his character, his attributes, his personality to those you gave me. I have taken the invisible God and caused him to become fully known, to be plainly recognized and thoroughly understood. That's a little different than just revealing something, isn't it? And I pray for them. I'm praying not for the world, but for those you've given me. See, this prayer isn't for everyone. It's truly not. It's very specific, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory that comes to me through them, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them. Protect the disciples by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. 
None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am. Again, the prayer, it's not for everybody. It's for believers, specifically in this case right here for the disciples. But there are elements that definitely could be included for us as well. Jesus restates his coexistence, his equality with God, and then he prays for the protection of the 11 disciples. And then he reveals a little secret that disciples probably didn't know. Hey, while I've been with you for these years, I've been protecting you. I wonder what that looked like. How did Jesus protect them? Was it just a spiritual protection, protecting them from the evil one, or was it literally even a physical protection at times? I'm curious what that looked like. Did the disciples even really know it was happening? Jesus lost no one in their time together except for the one who intentionally chose the ways of the world. He's poured out his life to these men and shared with them the very word of God, and now they've accepted that word, and so the world hates them. And now the world will seek to destroy them because they are no longer of the world. Jesus' words in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. Church, here's the reality of the world in which we live in. If we do the Lord's work, if we love others, if we serve others in the name of Jesus, we will just continue to become more despised, more rejected, more ridiculed, even hated by the world, which will force us to reside within the protection that Jesus is praying for right here even more fully. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That's an important, important thing. As you sent me to the world, I've sent them into the world. For I, <clears throat> for them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now let's just get really honest. I know there are people listening that have prayed this prayer before. God, would you just take me? God, would you just take me out of this world? I'm, I'm done. I can't do anymore. Let's be honest about that prayer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. All you're doing is opening yourself wide up to God. And all I can say is I assure you that he hears you, that he understands exactly, exactly what you're saying, and he knows. He knows. And the reality is without him, you're exactly right. You can't take anymore. As a matter of fact, he actually wants to take whatever that is from you. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He wants those things. The end of the verse tells us that God's desire is to sanctify you with his truth. We are made holy. We are sanctified by the ongoing work of the spirit within this. This process does not happen in a day. It doesn't even happen in a life. It doesn't fully finish until our life on this earth ends. God continues this process by whatever means we allow him. He continues to make us holy in whatever way we allow him to do those things. Here's the way that looks. The more ways you allow yourself to come into contact with God, the more ways that you allow God to use you in this life, the more ways you allow God's love to flow through you to others, the more peace you will have in this life and the more like Jesus you will become. But you see, there's a flip side to that coin. 
The more doors that you shut, the more times that you tell God, no, I don't, I'm busy, I don't have time, the more opportunities you see and feel but don't act on, the more restless you will become in your life, the more uneasy you will truthfully be about your faith, and the harder it will be to answer the question we're asking right now, do you believe? Then Jesus takes the prayer to us. He throws the doors wide open. The previous prayer specifically for him and then the disciples, but there's some applications for us for sure. In this part of the prayer, Jesus literally calls us out by name. And this is the reason. This is my favorite prayer, that our Lord and Savior, in the moment of his greatest anxiety, pain, pressure, torment he was going through, paused and thought of us right now, sitting here, and he lifts us up. My prayer is not for them alone in verse 20. I pray also for those who will believe in me through your message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Do you sense a theme? I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know you sent me and have and i have loved them even as you have loved me father i want those you have given me to be with me where i am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world righteous father though the world does not know you i know you and they know that you have sent me i've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may myself may be in them. You see, you and I are here today because these 11 men met their risen Savior. We're not here today because Jesus was a good guy or some great teacher. We're not here today because those 11 guys said, yeah, I'll follow you. We're not here today because those guys saw him heal the sick, heal the blind, allow the lame to walk fed the multitudes, calm a storm. We're not even here today because they were with him when a man that had been dead for four days walked out of a tomb. The only reason we are here today is because those 11 men met with the risen Savior. And their belief was so deep. They believed, believed this so much within the depths of their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength, and within the depths of their soul that every single one of them was willing to give their life for this newfound belief and faith in Jesus. And by all historical accounts that we have, at least 10 of them did. It was that real to them. Now, some people call this kind of devotion into question. They'll even compare it to modern-day examples of other faiths where people willingly sacrifice their lives and the lives of others because of the faith in their God. Now, if you've studied scriptures, you know that these people have been deceived to using this expression of faith to try to gain rewards in an effort to please their God. The reality of their faith even is that there are no guarantees that even that expression will be rewarded. On the flip side, millions after the disciples have now given their lives as martyrs for Christ, but the very big difference is they willingly gave their own lives and someone else took it. And they did this in order that other people might not die. No, no, they gave their lives so that others might live they're willing to die so that the message of jesus would carry on they're willing to die why because he died for them 
They're willing to die with confidence that they would be received into the presence of Jesus, not because of their act, but because of the grace of Jesus. And Jesus ends this prayer by praying for all of us, specifically for unity, for unity among believers, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent them. We, the people of God, the church, we are called to be one as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are one. Church, that is a high, high calling. Is there any dissension or disagreement between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit? Never, ever, period. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put ourselves and our feelings and our preferences aside to answer the call of Jesus, his dying desire for us? Are we willing to put those differences aside, our personal preferences, everything from music to lighting to service order to color of the carpet, temperature of the room, translation of the scriptures, you name it. We find all kinds of excuses to get upset. Are we willing to put all of our feelings aside so that the world will see our unity in Jesus because that is all that matters. And that is what people will see is that unity and that's what will draw them to Jesus. It's his dying desire. Earlier in John 13, 34, he told the disciples a new command to give to you. I give to you love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How are we talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ with people we meet in this community? How are we talking about our church within the community? How are we referencing these things? Are we fulfilling the, desire, the dying desire of our Lord and Savior? Are we unified in Christ? Because if we are, people will believe in Jesus. You see, there's this common theme in humanity. It's a phenomenon that we see all the time. And it just mesmerizes people. It's built into our DNA. Whenever people gather together as a group unified for some cause, people are interested in that. Even if you have zero interest in the cause, you're still curious. What makes everyone get together on this? Why are they, how come all these people are so different, but they can come together for this cause or that cause or this thing or that thing? It's in our DNA. God created us to be this way so that we would be unified in him. We wonder what moves people to that cause. See, people are searching for something to belong to, something that will accept them, something that they can all have in common with other people. Church, we have the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus died for everyone. There's no exception. It unites us with every human being on the planet. It unites in a way that the world can never separate. It is the only thing that we could all ultimately have in common with everyone else the love that jesus has for us and then he prays that we uni be unified in our calling that we can all just be one father i want those you have given me to be with me where i am to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world do you realize jesus ends this prayer by telling god hey god here's the thing here's what i want us to really work on i want everybody to be with me where I am. Do you long for that? Do you truly long to be in the presence of Jesus one day? He's longing to be in, your, in, in his physical. He wants you to be in his physical presence with him. It's his dying desire that all 
may be in his presence one day. We'll all get to see his glory in person. Jesus longs to see all of us there with him. Who are you praying? We'll join you there. Right now in your life, who are you praying for? Who are you manifesting the name of Jesus to? Who are you revealing God to his character, his attributes, his personality? Who is a witness to your life so that they might see the invisible God through you? You see, this is a very, very powerful, powerful prayer. It is challenging to us as he lays down a standard that we as humanity have continually failed to meet, as he prays for unity that we seem to be trying to break apart at every possible turn. The prayer is empowering, as you should realize that God, Jesus himself, prayed for protection for all of us as well from the evil that exists around us. God, the Father, is literally protecting us in this very moment from the evil one. Now, we'll never know exactly what that looks like in this life. And you might say, I'd really love to know what God protected me from. Well, maybe. But in the next life, you won't care one tiny little bit. Be the last thing you even think about. You will never even consider it again. But his watch care is real, and it's ever-present. And there's probably people listening that if they shared their story with you, it'd probably freak you out just a little to realize how real and present the hand of God is in your life at all times. But I ask you again, is God weeping over the church right now? As we continually refuse to be unified around the only thing that matters, Jesus, his message. And we choose to complain and argue about our personal preferences instead. Church, it's time, it's past time to just let those things go. Because in the end, the only question that matters is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God? Have you claimed that new life that is only found in his name, the life that is only made possible because of his sacrifice for you? And when you get discouraged in life, don't hesitate. Open up to this prayer, John 17, and remember how much Jesus cares for you. Remember how he prayed specifically for you. Remember how he is protecting you even in whatever moment you're going through in life. Never forget those things. Father God, as we get the privilege of praying in your son's name to you, Father, we read his words of prayer. We hear what's on his heart. His dying desire was for us, for us to come to you and to be unified in one thing and one thing only, and that is your son. Father, you prayed for protection for us. I pray that we feel that protection. Father, we pray that we be with you for all eternity one day. I pray that we begin to pray that prayer for others that we know. Don't let us lose sight of the meaning of this prayer. The depth is great, but it is so personal to each and every person listening. So Father, if there's anyone here today that, that hasn't made your son their own savior yet, he prayed for that to happen. I pray that it does. If there's anyone here today that doesn't feel your protection in their life, I pray that they come forward and they realize that protection exists. If there's anyone here today that has been guilty of disunifying the church, trying to break it apart 
because of their feelings or their desires, I pray that they begin to set those aside and they ask for forgiveness from you. That your dying desire was for us to be unified in your son. Father, in all this name we pray.